This is the More to the Story podcast with Dr. Andy Miller. We hope you guys enjoyed today's conversation. This is going to be good. The top 10 holiness books. And I'm glad you've come along to the More to the Story podcast. This podcast comes around because we have some great sponsors like Wesley Biblical Seminary. Uh, This is the institution where I serve at wbs.edu. You can find out more information about our degree programs where we are developing trusted leaders for faithful churches. We have a variety of lay initiatives, including the Wesley Institute, which will start again this coming fall, where we go through all 66 books of the Bible. And now we're starting actually Wesley Institute version two, kind of season two, where we talk about theological topics as well. So we want you to know about that in addition to the great things we're doing to, again, train and develop trusted leaders. We want there to be people who come from Wesley Biblical Seminary to be people that churches know they can trust. And in this time, as their kind of things are being sorted out within the wider Wesleyan movement, you can trust leaders that come through the educational process of Wesley Biblical Seminary. Also, this podcast is brought to you by Bill Roberts. He's a financial consultant who helps people achieve their financial goals, and he does that from Christian pers- uh, Christian perspective. He's particularly helpful with people who are serving in ministry and have to calculate kind of strange things like housing allowances and all those type of things. So go to him at w- uh, williamhroberts.com. You can find a link to that in our show notes. And I am delighted today to have on the podcast with me, Dr. Chris Lorsifer. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, sir. And so Chris is our professor of Wesley Studies here, and we have a lot of good conversations in the hallway, and I thought, you know what? Let's just see. Let's just put, If I developed a t- top five list and you did develop a top five list of holiness literature, could we actually agree upon like number one and all that? And then we did, and here yeah, we are. We got it. So, Chris, tell us just a little bit about yourself before we get started. Uh, well, let's see. I've been a pastor uh, for 30-something years. I've been 25 years at my church where I presently serve in yeah. Raymond, Mississippi. Okay, and you're originally from? Uh, Indiana, of Indiana. course. Indiana. Here We're we go, the best people from. from Indiana. Yeah. So, oh, anything else you want to uh, add there? I've been teaching for uh, 30 years as well. Uh, yes. College and seminary. Right, been right. Been here 11 years at WBS. Right. We're so gl- glad that you are here. And and look, and, and you did your doctoral research on John Wesley's theology, right? Looking Correct. at his doctrine of sin. Yep, uh, original sin. Uh, looked at his sources for his doctrine of original sin, yeah. That's the shortest I've ever heard you say that because yeah. it's very intense. Oh. Yeah, so we can we can refer you to some uh, resources about that soon. Okay, number 10 on our list, and I'm going to go ahead and push this through, taking my prerogative as a host of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Your book, Learning to Breathe, go. Mastering the Art of Spiritual Respiration. Chris, just give us a little summary. This, this is a, why people who are interested in a top 10 list on holiness literature, right. why this book would be helpful to them. Well, this book does something that no other book I've found actually does. Okay. <clears throat> So John Wesley's concept of spiritual respiration is that you find ways to breathe in God's grace every day and breathe out God's grace. It's really about intimacy. Yes. This is how to do the intimate life with God. But it's connected to holiness in the sense that when Wesley talks about how to be sanctified, he says basically a person needs to be involved in the works of piety and works of mercy, right. and that's involved in the spiritual respiration. So the two go hand in hand because he says about uh, about works of mercy and works of piety that if you're not doing those things, you can't even stay where you are spiritually, let alone move forward. And he said it's, those are absolutely necessary for sanctification. Wow. I've, I don't hear people saying that. But that this book tells people how to be intimate with God and how to walk in that journey 
towards sanctification. That's great. And uh, you know, one of the things we emphasize in we had the top ten discipleship books, mm. and that same theme of works yeah. of piety and works of mercy. Yep. And that's something that we've actually built in to our curriculum here. And you were right. part of shaping that before I ever got here to think about how we are making sure that we have opportunities for people to practice these things. So check out Learning to Breathe, number 10. Now, number nine former guest on my podcast, mm. Kevin Watson, brand new book. Now, I'm, I was a little hesitant to put a new book on the list. Most mm. of them are well over 100 years old. Right. But his new book that Seabed published, Perfect Love, Recovering Entire Sanctification, The Lost Power of the Methodist Movement. What do you think of this book? Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a pretty good book. I like it. Uh, I like his hair. Kevin's got <laughs> great hair. But uh, the, book, the book is uh, it's good. Well, you know, and, and, and he walks through this in uh, in a really clear way. It's not in, an academic book. I right. did endorse it. I was looking for my endorsement, but this is a, the go. kind of a advanced sale copy. Yeah. But, I mean, I felt like this is a very clear explanation. explanation. And one thing I like that he highlights, and you can go back to my podcast where I uh, talk to Kevin Watson. I think you'll find that interesting about this book. It'll be probably about an hour-long discussion about it. But he takes from one of John Wesley's sermons, a few words that holiness is love eliminating sin. Yeah. And those three words are, I think, now some people might say the best definition of holiness is Christ-likeness. It's one mm. word. Three words, and now I think that that can be problematic, actually, but love eliminating sin, this kind of, a, where does love come from? That God is love. God exists as three persons, always in a relationship, Father, right. Son, and Holy Spirit. Love, 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 that love that we share in union, in, in relationship with the Father, love then eliminating sin in our life. And more specifically, Wesley said, "Love expelling sin," oh. which is how it's eliminated. I mean, he just put yeah, a yeah. Uh, more um, a more modern. Oh, word interesting! But the word's actually expelling, and he describes it as almost like you've got so much love in there, there's no room for anything else because it's just got moved out. Right, it's moved right, right. Out. And and thinking about sin is an important thing because that's often the main objection people have to holiness theology in general is they think, oh, you are a bunch of sinless perfection people. You think you're you're perfect, right? Perfect love. Like, what's this about? But the idea with what we think about with Christian perfection and we think about sin, uh, like the kind of Wesley's use of the word um, sin, he thinks that any area of our life, sorry, he says um, a willful transgression to a known law of God. Is is that accurate? Is that the best? Yeah, yeah. He says sin properly so-called. There's there's multiple avenues, uh, I mean, uh, angles of sin, which wouldn't fit into that necessarily. Okay. There, there are other angles, but he calls it sin properly so-called, quoting from Richard Lucas, the book Inquiry, uh, Inquiry After Happiness, okay. his mother's favorite devotional book, which Wesley read his whole life. That That's quoting that when he uses the word sin properly so-called, because that's exactly how Lucas said it. Uh, so yeah, he when he's talking about sin that can be eliminated from your life, it's not mistakes or uh, sins of ignorance or fallenness itself necessarily, right. but that willful transgression that is something that's a choice. That Knowing you you're doing something wrong, yeah, knowing that right. this is what God wants for you, and yeah. you choose to right. do the opposite. That is unnecessary. Yeah. I like. I, I think that's a helpful, and it's that type of sin yeah. that we have the opportunity to be freed from, or that can ex- be expelled yeah, from our right. life. So anyway, Ke- I, that was one of the great takeaways for me from Kevin's book. All right. You want to emphasize, too, we want to be perfect. Here it is. Perfect yeah. Love, Be Perfect by Andrew Murray. Tell Andrew me about Murray. this. Okay, so Andrew Murray, what I like about this book, and I, I read this early in my Christian life, uh, Andrew Murray there basically says, when you see the word perfect in Scripture, we immediately start making excuses. But he said, rather than make excuses, let's find out what the word means. 
and he takes you through various places where it's used, and you get to see the, the biblical use of the word. Uh, for instance, Matthew 5, 48, what does he mean, be perfect as your father? And heaven is perfect. Obviously, the context of that the, uh, is, is love again, actually. And so he takes you through biblical passages and shows you the, uh, the actual meaning of the word and not our kind of drummed up thing that we, we repel whenever we hear the word perfect. We think, well, I can't be without mistake and I, my performance will never be. That's not what he's talking about right, at right. all. So anyway, I, I love the book. It's a very scriptural look. Devotional yeah, yeah. level, of course. And, and, and Andrew Murray, I mean, in general, like his books on prayer and, yeah. and this book too, just highly recommend this. When, when, do you know anything about the history of Andrew Murray? Uh, yeah, uh, late 1800s. Uh, he was South African, I believe, right? Okay. He was, uh, he's a Keswick. He's okay. not, uh, not Wesleyan per se but falls into the holiness tradition through the Keswick. So tell me, like, what, what, help, help me understand then a little better the difference in Keswick and uh, Wesleyan views. In I, the Wesleyan movement, we would stress a little more the cleansing of your nature, whereas in the Keswick movement, they understand that you can be victorious over sin, uh, but it's almost like uh, some people call it suppressionism, you know, like you suppress it somewhat. Right, right. Okay. Uh, but but his, he would say, God gives you the victory over that nature. Gotcha. Uh, not, not so much a look at uh, a cleansing of the nature, but victory over the nature. So that's distinct in, in Wesley's sermon, and we're going to bring up John Wesley a lot. Don't worry, we're going to get there. Uh, but on, on sin and believers, right. like that, that key sermon, he makes a distinction, and this was helpful for me, that in justification, yep. that we are freed from the guilt of sin. But yep. in regeneration, a new birth, we are freed from the power of sin. Right. But then he says in an entire sanctification, we're freed from the being of sin. Yes. So in that sense, like the, the Keswick movement might not emphasize Wouldn't that side. Wouldn't go that far. Right. Yeah, it doesn't go quite as far as the Wesleyan. Now, is this something that—this might be a good time for us just to talk about the distinction between sometimes what people call the long way, the middle way, and the short way. Mm. Um, uh, t tell us, like, what that—what those distinctions are. So if you're thinking about how sanctification works, how, how is a person sanctified— uh, there, there have been three basic ways in the Wesleyan movement that that's been described. The long way, let me start there, yeah. basically says you're always progressing in sanctification as a Christian. You probably won't reach it until maybe right at death or maybe even in glorification. But most people, and some people could, but most people in this life would not come to a place we would call entire sanctification. Right. It's always kind of progressing there, but never really reaching. Always, I call it being sanctified, but not sanctified. It's okay. So. Gotcha. And so then the short way is kind of like a, maybe part of my tradition had a lot of this, like kind of like a name it and claim it, that when you bring yourself to the altar, yep. you, you, you then... In, popularized through Phoebe Palmer's writings, right. that you have this sense that altar you theology. come, it's, hence it's altar theology, you come in and you can almost name it and claim it, that yeah. you have the opportunity to experience Anything it. Anything consecrated to God, he will sanctify. Right, right, right. And Im immediately. So there's a guarantee that it's immediate. So that's uh, why yeah. this is the short way. Yeah, it's called right, short. Right? And it's like a, almost like a method. Like right. You do certain yes. things to make this you happen. Can, and, and Phoebe Palmer really developed that because of her own struggle over the years. She just didn't want people to have that struggle, hmm. which sounds good. But have you ever heard the thing about the, you know, the butterfly in the cocoon? You know, the boy sees it struggling to get out, and so he cuts it, but the thing dies because it didn't really grow its wings right, properly because right. the struggle's necessary. Wow. And so that leads us to the middle way. Yeah. So we have the, the long way, the short way. And the middle way. What is the middle way, Chris? Uh, middle way says that uh, sanctification begins at 
uh, initial salvation. When you're saved, yes, you yes, get yes. all the Holy Spirit. Right, amen. He just doesn't get all of you. Right. And God then leads you into a time of dying to self. And it's, it's a response to his grace and to his leading. And he, he actually, um, Wesley says, he empowers you to uh, mortify the deeds of the body. So God, God begins to empower you to die to self. And at the end of that process of dying to self, and it could take, depending on you, but at the end of that process, when you are fully, uh, you have fully died and you have fully laid out before God and you're doing the things, he says, you know, those things you have to acts do. Acts of mercy, acts of piety. Right, yeah. works, piety works mercy. And you wait. He says that's how God called for us to thing. wait right. until he does it. Right. Now, he does it in one of two ways at this point. Sometimes gradually, so that a person couldn't necessarily say, this is the day it occurred. Right. But oftentimes, instantaneously, after all this process, uh, when you can actually say, yes, this is the day, this is the time. Right. So right. all that happens after you've died to self, though, and you wait, and God does it on his timing. If, you, if that went by too fast... Go back and listen to it again, or audit our class, yeah, Biblical Basis for Holiness at Wesley Biblical yeah, Seminary, right. we, where we talk about this, we look at several of these books, as a matter of fact. Okay, that was a little bit of a, a excursus for us, but I think right. it'll help us understand the next few books, too, as we go through. So we have 10, Learning to Breathe, 9, Perfect Love, 8, Be Perfect, and I decided to throw in there Holiness for Everyday People by Keith Drury. It's now, been I know, very know influential. Him. Yeah, it's I, great. I, I know him somewhat. Oh, you do? Okay, yeah, gotcha. He may not know my name, but I, I know him. Well, this is a book that has been out for a long time, and I just yeah. feel like if you're going to explain to people, and it's published by Wesleyan Publishing House, if you're going to explain mm. to people what this language is that somewhat is somewhat antiquated and hard to access, it's just an outstanding writer who's able to work through things in a clear way, clear definitions of sin, taking the biblical imagery in place, and just giving people ways to think about and he also identifies that kind of long way middle way short way correct piece in there too so yeah a lot of people have read this it's uh, it's one of the more well-read uh, holiness books in the West so in my tradition a lot of people would emphasize you know certain uh, folks fr within our tradition I actually bought 25 of these I'd have 25 on my desk at, or in my bookcase all the time so I could give it out to people hmm. this is one of the books I, that I oh, do great. that with okay Maybe someday you'll do that with my book, too. Oh, I'm that. sorry. Once it, get, once it moves up to number six. <laughs> yeah. If it moves up, there you go. Okay, my, uh, so we're at, that That was number, okay, where am I at? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Yep. This book is written, now this is a little bitty book. It's hardly even a, just more of a message, but it's The Call to Holiness by Tim Tennant, Pursuing the Heart of God for the Love of the World. Nice. Now, I, I wanted to bring some books in here. I didn't, we didn't want to necessarily bring academic books to play, so some of these have an academic foundation. But this is just a, a clear description that John Wesley has, talking through some of these challenges that come with thinking about the— he has kind of a couple of key moves that he describes. Like there's the move to be freed from sin, but then the thing that he adds that I think is so helpful is also to be enabled for service in the world. That holiness doesn't exist just for me and myself, but it's this call to move into the world. And so Tim Tennant, he's been on my podcast. He's a easy president. Reading. Very easy. That's easy read right there. And it's ni nice. You could probably read this in less than an hour. Yeah. So I recommend, if you're wanting to know what we're talking about, and I'm making it high up on that list. Okay. Yeah. Number five. I want you to introduce this one to us. Yeah. Called to be Holy by John Oswald. Again, very influential. It, this is somewhat academic, but not. it's not, uh, over, it's not overly academic. Uh, this, of course, Dr. Oswald is um, Old Testament history, 
And so he goes into the, um, in, into the ancient Near Eastern concept of holiness and shows how it differs in Israel and walks you through that Old Testament concept of, uh, of holiness and goes somewhat into the New Testament as well. And this is published by Francis Asbury Society. But one thing that's unique about this is there aren't as many works that exist that are a biblical exegetical approach yeah towards the doctrine of sanctification. Now, it's not like any of the things that we do when you and I preach or even in your learning to breathe. I'm sure it's biblically focused, yeah. but this is a biblical scholar, oh, yeah. and you, you and I scholar. would be historical theologians, and so like we kind of come at things a little differently, but right. having a biblical scholar just now, interesting yeah. enough, there is another work coming out. I think our own president, Matt Ayers, and along with Caleb Friedman, are putting out a book. I think Chris Bounds is a part of it, too. Hmm. That's going to be working through an Old Testament, New Testament, systematic perspective. So, called to be holy. And let's see. Uh, Why don't you go ahead? We, we have two copies two here. Two copies. Yeah, so The Privilege of All Believers is a collection of essays. Yeah. All Salvation Army, it's uh, true. coincidentally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was very influential in my own uh, development uh, because I was looking for something that could help me. And I came across this, written in uh, 1980, this was. Great my, year to be born, by yeah, the way. Yeah, well, was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. I was 16 at the time. Uh, but my copy, uh, I loaned it to a student who left it in their trunk, and it flooded, and it was actually floating in their here, show, trunk. Show the camera there. Uh, like, yeah, it's, it's a little messy in here. It's uh, it's a little, it's got even some pieces of some kind of stuff stuck to it. I don't know. What. Anyway. Uh, it says I bought this at the Christian Holiness Association 1990 is when I got it. Okay, interesting. So you were only 10 years old then? That's, that's true. Man. That's true. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, great essays. Uh, and again, it's, it's some great uh, Salvation Army guys, you know, uh, a couple of booths are in here yeah. and, uh, and some others. Great essays on holiness, various aspects. I really suggest anybody who wants to learn about holiness, they need to read this. Okay, yeah, interesting. It's, it's that important. Now, it's interesting. As I, I put together my top five, and you put together your top five, I was a little embarrassed that you included this, and I didn't. Oh, so there you, well, go. there you go. It's a really good book. John Waldron, he was somebody uh, who— brought together a lot of different resources and often had these uh, compilations. And hmm. this is one of the great ones. So he pro I, I probably eight to ten of these compilations, wow. some on Scripture, some on preaching. Hmm. But um, the, and, and the, the title itself, I think, is helpful. This comes from the Salvation Army's Article of Faith, the Salvation Army's 10th Article of Faith. that says, we believe it is a privilege of all believers to be wholly sanctified. Now, just in that concept there, you see, and it, it goes on a little bit longer, but the idea there is that uh, we don't. We aren't just saved, you know, just to experience forgiveness. Right. But we're saved to something that yeah. we have the opportunity to experience God's sanct. This is the privilege that we have as believers mm. to have the work of the Holy Spirit sanctifying us. Mm. Okay. Like so it. privilege for all believers. Now we're getting down number three. We're throwing in Dr. Dennis Kinlaw. Now. This was a tough one. I thought about just bringing all of his books up because they all kind of deal with the same type <laughs> of stuff. Mind of Christ. Be right, great. right. Uh, preaching in the preaching Spirit. Preaching in the Spirit, That yeah. would have been a good one. But I think that Let's Start with Jesus probably is the book that best summarizes his theology as a whole. And he has the last couple of chapters really trying to lay out a biblical case for the doctrine of entire sanctification. And and this is the prolegomena—how do you say that word? Prolegomena? Prolegomena? Gemina? Uh, okay. Gemona. To something that's coming out eventually. Gemina? Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, that's going to be coming out like a, a, a more systematic theology. But this lays that out by saying, let's look to Jesus. Let's look to the person of Jesus and how he demonstrates to us who God is. And so that's the way that they approach theology as a whole. Will you, you have anything you want to say about this book? Uh, not about this book, but I'll say um, 
that uh, in um, it was uh, Mind of Christ. Yeah. Uh, I had a, I used to have my students uh, write a report on that back when I taught at a college. And this one uh, lady wrote a report, and she said, the book is really good, except it falls apart in the end. Mind of Christ, it doesn't come down to a solution. So I told him that. Now, this is interesting because, you know, you get critiques when you write something you're like this, you know, and you, it's hard to take sometimes. But I told him, I said, I have this uh, lady who wrote this critique of your book, and she said, in the end, it falls apart, and it doesn't come to it. And he said, I absolutely agree. Wow. He said, actually, it was at one time more, but they wanted me to take it down. And so I did. He said, looking at it, he said, she is right. I don't come to this. There's just a definite point it should come to, but it doesn't. And he said, I agree with her. Wow. Uh, interesting. interesting you know? Well, I loved his humility in, the, oh, in those yeah. areas too. And so like, and, and I got to spend some time with Dr. Kinlaw and you might not actually find his books to be like a, uh, let's say like some of these books that might seem yeah. like a how to like holiness right. for everyday people, like 25 ways to be holy. Yeah. But it's like the foundation behind all they does. When he looks at the Trinity, when he looks at how God has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons existing in a loving relationship for all time. When he does that, like he he draws out the implications of what that means for us to share, that, that mm-hmm. somehow we enter into the fellowship of the Trinity. And then looking at the person of Jesus and how Scripture points in all these directions about Old Testament imagery. So I find like even books like um, Dr. Kinlaw's Lectures in Old Testament Theology. Well, that's um three four hundred page book on on holiness, mm. and it, I I love yeah. it. So we I, I have to destroy Don, Doctor Dinsky. He, he exuded that in yes. his own life. Yeah. Okay, coming down now. I'm gonna pull up. Why don't you tell us about number two? Who, okay. who the author? Because it's the corpus yeah. as a whole. That's correct. Samuel Logan Bringle. Anything by Bringle is is very readable. Uh, Bringle, of course, uh, again, one of those heroes, you know, that you that happens early in my Christian life. There it is. There it is right there. Everybody uh, that's anybody has the red set like this. That's yeah, right. you got to have that. <laughs> I know. It's like a status symbol. It is. Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have that or not? Um, Bringle was a preacher. Yeah. Uh, very, very, uh, I was going to say capable. That's not really the word. He, when Polished. You, when uh, you yeah. read about his preaching, the way he preached, like he would do conversations yeah. in his sermons and stuff, between like him and Paul kind of thing. It was really interesting. But then at some point, uh, he was injured, spent time in a hospital like nine months, and was able to write. And the books are, uh, they're uh, to me, they're very readable, but from an older day. Right, you right, know, right. He right. died in the early, what, 1930s in a car yes. crash, 34? Uh, but, you know, most of his work was probably right at the turn of the century there. And he uh, he was he was interesting way he writes and the things he says. But I think, and we've talked about this, the, the reason I think Bringle still works today is because he didn't take some of the hard, fast kind of uh, thoughts that come along. For instance, one of the things in the holiness movement was the concept of eradication. Right, right. That right. what we have in us is a sin nature, a thing that has to be taken out. Rather than your nature being cleansed of sin, sin being uh, expelled, uh, some th- people think it's some some extra nature that right, has to be expelled. Right, right. He didn't do that. Yes, his, yes, his yes. works don't take that kind of um, that kind. In fact, you could probably argue all three of the ways. Yes, using yeah, you Bringle. could. You it's could. very interesting. 
Uh, and yet, and yet, he does come down to some real, real stuff here. Now, and I would recommend if you want to learn more about Bringle's theology. This is the problem that in my tradition. So it's I've always been fascinated by other holiness traditions like yours. I've even gone to some you know uh, very obscure camp meetings, and I'll find these books there. Oh yeah, like they they love them. And so that's been an interesting thing for me. Then the Salvation Army people will say, "Well, you want to learn about holiness? Take Bringle." Well, I actually say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Just just wait a second. Like it, this is kind of like more." devotional reflections upon like Christian themes and holiness as a whole. Yeah. It's not a systematic presentation. No. So if you're interested in Brengel theology, I'll refer you to Dr. David Reitmeyer's Sanctified Sanity. Oh yeah, that's good. And what he shows, and so he brings all of, all of these books together, yeah. letters and various other sources, articles, and what he does is he, is he puts it systematically into one presentation. And what his uh, one of his main points in that book, I don't know if I'll say it's his thesis, but what he says is that Brengel brought to the Salvation Army a move away from what we what we classified as the short way to an emphasis on waiting in the spirit, waiting yeah, which for is the, the middle spirit. way. Exactly. Yeah. And that, like that was something that was missing in the Salvation Army's mm. tradition. And this is a more Wesleyan perspective that yeah. he was able to bring. So Yeah. He um I, I think these books probably be best read for someone who's in the process and needs the fire to keep moving forward and wait. It, it's like that. It's not like it's a some kind of a beginning place, you know, but it is for someone who's who's there and needs some fire. It's it is encouragement to to wait and move forward spiritually. Yeah. And my my grandfather would every year um, kind of like have his fire ignited again by a relationship with Bringle in this sense. He would read, and this is one of my grandfather's copies of Helps to Holiness, so the first book that Bringle put out, which, by the way, you know, some of his books were not necessarily written as like a comprehensive argument. Yeah. They're sometimes just a series of articles that he wrote, and mm -hmm. he put them all together in right. one. But he would take this, and this is the ninth edition. Interesting, he had so many editions of these books. But my grandfather would read them in November and December every year. And I, I'm really, well, I love how I have, I have one of my treasures I found is a gift from my parents. His book, Ancient Prophets, I have this one signed by him. Oh, nice. Note. It's not to me, of course. Yeah, nice, nice. But anyhow, that was, uh, th those are yeah. special. So the, all of Brengel's books as a whole. Yeah. Which, yeah. Now, you mentioned one that you stuck uh, out to come you. Come Holy Guest. Or the Holy, the Guest of the Soul? Uh, no. Uh, There's, there, you combined two of them there. I did. I, it's a, it's a com combination. Um. Guest of the Soul, I yeah, think. Yeah, Guest of the Soul. Yeah, and then there was something that was written when they put um, two of them together. Oh, and they right. There's it a Come Bob Hostetler yeah. made a, a kind of – took out some of the old English type of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, but yeah. But the idea of the guest yeah. instead of ghost yes. was interesting. When I, I remember reading that early on in my – Holy Guest, I think – is that – he might even called him that. In yeah, book. yeah. So he, he says that the Anglo-Saxon word for ghost yeah. could also be guest. guest. And so yeah. then he goes in and he says, like, we think of the Holy Spirit as the guest of our soul. And that really, that really had an impact – on me because of that concept. I'd never really considered it in that way before uh, until that, yeah. It's it, I taught this in, um, I taught a systematic theology course in Mexico, and it's a class where we talk about the way of salvation and the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And I tried, I used the guest of the soul idea, mm. but you know, they don't have trouble in Spanish because they don't have the challenge of the Holy G Ghost. They don't uh, use the word ghost the word or you're a guest. And so right. I, I had this whole great presentation, emotional moment. It didn't work. And then uh, <laughs> the translator looked at me and said, not going to work in Spanish. Yeah. So I felt, I felt kind of badly. Yeah. Okay, we made it to number one. Now, before I get to number one, I want you to know that I have a 
free resource available for people that if you sign up for my email list at andymillerthe3rd.com, that's andymillerii.com, there's a tab where you can sign up for my email list. I will send you a free resource, a four-page document that is meant for teachers and preachers to move through the exegetical process with the aim of creatively preaching and teaching. So like, how do you actually, like, like what do you do between those phases of, of studying a passage and then actually preparing a sermon or preparing a, a teaching lesson, how do you do that in a way that connects to your students or the people that you're called to serve? So just encourage you, if you want that resource, you can sign up for my email list. I'd love to have you there. And now we've made it for the dramatic moment. The reveal. The number one book from the holiness tradition is, you want to tell us? Uh, it. I thought you were going to say, can I give a drum roll? Oh, drum roll, drum roll. Yeah. John Wesley's sermon the scripture, scripture way, way of, of salvation. salvation. And as a placeholder, I have a plain account of Christian perfection, yeah, which we recommend as well. But yeah, yeah. it's not a book. We're recommending yeah. a sermon. Why are we yeah. doing that, Chris? Uh, I think that sermon is Wesley's best, uh, clearest description and teaching on sanctification, what it is, and how to receive it. Right. That's his clearest work on it. If that's all he had written, and not just sanctification though, too. No, no, no. Like, I mean, it's, it's like the order of salvation as a whole. Like yeah. this, this outlines all of it. And and I think like people, if we were to find it, and even that quote, "Love excluding or love eliminating sin," yep. that that comes from that sermon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so uh, t- tell us about some of the kind of key highlights from that sermon. Okay, so yeah, he does. He distinguishes. There's probably two or three things that I find very important. He distinguishes in it. Uh, between justification and regeneration. Right, right, right. But he right. also says that when you have initial salvation, when when God does, so in justification does it work for you, regeneration will work in, in you. you. But when he does that work in you, you are transformed. Yes. And that's what he calls initial sanctification. Right. Uh, when you are justified, you are sanctified. Now, then he says, and this is important, when a person is born again, and they think they're done with the sin business. It doesn't take long until they realize, hey, something's not right. They come to understand that within themselves, maybe not on the outward part, because he thinks, you know, if you're born again, you are victorious. You're not going to be living in sin. But you're going to come to some, I call them brick walls in your own life, uh, s- certain uh, attitudes of the soul, yeah. which you know are not transformed. And the reason for that is because uh, you have all the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't have all of you. Mm. And so what Wesley says secondly happens is, he says, then the gradual work of sanctification begins. And see, a lot of times the holiness movement, if you talk about gradual sanctification, people get oh, nervous. You're a heretic. Yeah, because they yeah. think we're talking about progressive. Right, right, Like right. it's always just kind of growing but never doing. But that's not what Wesley's saying. Before, between... The initial sanctification, when you receive the Spirit, and entire sanctification, when He has all of you and He is cleansing all of you, between that, there is this process of taking up your cross. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. Dying to self. Take up the cross, die to self, and and He says, the, and this is an important statement for me, the more dead to sin you are, the more alive to God you are. Mm-hmm. So the cor- there's a correlation between your relationship with sin and your relationship with God. Yeah. And as you die to sin, you will find the life of God more fully at work in you. So while you have all the spirit, he's unlocking those doors in your life. And you, you're, you're unlocking the doors and letting him in. You're giving him access to every part of who you are. And that's what 
Wesley was thinking when he was thinking about entirely sanctified, that is, all of you right. is being sanctified. So you've now allowed this spirit into all of who you are. It doesn't mean that you're done. Right, it right. means it's about the depth, not the doneness. And so he lays that out in this sermon. And then, of course, he also lays out how do you wait for it? What do you do? And that's where he says works of piety, works of mercy. Right. And I, I think as I look at it, this is my own opinion on it, why would those two things be necessary? And here's what I think. If the problem is that our soul is turned inward, right, for satisfaction, so the self-centeredness and all that sinfulness, how do you get the soul to become outward again? And so as you practice works of uh, piety, you're, you're reading the scripture, you're studying it, you're praying, Attending worship, worship, all that sacraments. stuff. You're looking to God in all that. Right. And that's opening you up, see? And then as you are serving others, because works of mercy is anything you would do for the body or souls of men, everything from feeding the hungry to teaching, as he calls it, the, the stupid, senseless sinner. Yeah. Everything you do for somebody else, it's about reaching outside yourself. Right. So as you're reaching up to God and out to others, you're wide open to what right. God... And that's where he works. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where the sparks happen. Yeah. Is when you do that, he's able to speak to you. Yeah. And that's awesome. where it happens. And so you're fully there. You're totally open to him. And that is how you wait. Interesting. And then, of course, he says in there... By the way, you can have it now. Seek it now. Yeah. Yeah. Seek I, that type of thing. Yes. Not like not that's not like entering into the Phoebe Palmer language no. there. It's a, this is like seek that type of spirit right now where yes. you are giving all that you are right. at that this time and then you are opening yourselves up Correct. in service. And so to that person, he says, is it gradual or instantaneous? And I think some people misunderstand that. They think they think all the way back. You're, you're born again. Now you can be entirely sanctified instantaneously. That's not what he says. He's talking about when you know sin is gone. Is that gradual or instantaneous? Mm. And that's talking to the person who's waiting, dead to self, trusting in God. And then he says, sometimes it's gradual. Yeah, and yeah. you can't point to a day and time, but it's happened. Right, right. But sometimes it's instantaneous, and you know, oh, yeah, yesterday I experienced this thing. But he lays out exactly how to get there and the fact that you have to— Trust God for it and wait for it and 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 believe Him for it and and apply it to your life. And one of the things that we do here at Weston Biblical Seminary that we instituted, like the faculty, uh, the fact, what do we call it, faculty assembly, uh, decided that we wanted to have a moment in every course where a teacher takes time to lay out what you just said and and somewhere and then their own experience with that. Mm. Even if that leads not to a place where you say there was this minute where I did this. Right, but th this process where God's Holy Spirit is at work in us, freeing us from the power of sin, mm -hmm. and giving us an opportunity to breathe in, breathe out as we experience what God wants for us and who He's mm -hmm. calling us to be. So, like we we try to have those moments. And what what would you say to somebody right now, like who's saying, "Ah, oh, I'm not sure, Chris. Do I have that? Should I do that? What 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 should I seek right now? What should I do?" Well, if you're a Christian, and you're not sure that you are entirely sanctified, that God, God is sanctifying you in every part of who you are, then I, as I often do, I suggest people, take a look at your life and ask you this question. Ask yourself this question. Uh, what part of me is not open to God? Hmm. What's not? I guarantee you the door that's still shut is the place that's not redeemed. You know, right, right. He, he can only, he only, I say can, he only redeems what you give him. Yeah. And so I think you should, maybe on a, 
uh, and this shouldn't be a weird thing, but maybe on a regular basis, just ask yourself, is there some part of my life that's not yeah, open yeah. to his sanctifying touch? And you'll find those things. If you ask yourself that on a regular basis, you will find it. You'll be going through life and all of a sudden you say, uh-oh, there's a place that's not open. And so I say, open that door. Yeah. Ask yourself why. Begin to deal with who you are uh, and then trust God for it. Because the reality is sometimes you can believe in your head but not rest in your heart. Mm. And it's just like sitting down, I always say, you can say, I know this chair will help me and I know it can hold me, but you got to stop standing at some point. Wow. And wow. in your own life, uh, maybe you just need to stop standing. Yeah. You know, when you talk about the uh, opening up all that you are to God, like open up, is there any area of your life you're holding back? Now, Tim Tennant's book, Call of Holiness, he has a definition of sin that I find really helpful, and it's very similar. He says sin is any area of our life where we reject God's presence. Mm. Any area of our life where we reject the presence and of God. And, you know, sometimes you don't do that, like, openly. You, you don't just say, yeah. you know what, I don't want God's grace there. But you do it in the in the way you live. And the, the fact is, the walls that we have built in our lives to protect ourselves from other people protect us from God, mm. so to speak. Uh, and they also keep us in Wow. Too. But but yeah, we, we've built walls around various parts of our life for protection, for for security, and we oftentimes not only don't let people in there, but we don't let God in there. Wow. It's very hard to look at those places, but that's what we have to do. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming and joining me on this. Uh, so our top top one is not just John Wesley's a plan for Christian perfection or all of his sermons, but we're saying a scripture way of salvation. If you want to learn about holiness, that's the number one book. So thanks so much for joining me, Chris. It's been thanks. a great treat to have you here. Thank you for coming to the More to the Story podcast. We trust that you'll take this. Maybe you could send a link to this, share it, maybe text it to somebody, send an email, like this, make a comment. That would help us out as we spread this message because I believe that God wants to sanctify you through and through. God bless you.